Hey everyone, welcome back to Rocking Your Bald Podcast. I am Jen, your personal nerdy guabaldi boo, and I'm really excited about this conversation today. We have Crystal Malcolm, another friend and fellow alopecian. She and I discuss our mutual, disrespectful best friend, alopecia. This conversation is full of so many good things. We talk about community, identity, the shifting of how we view beauty versus what's in the industry in today's world. We talked about so much, I had to make this into two parts. So today will be part one, and next month, you're going to have part two of this really flavorful conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Hey, Crystal, thank you so much for stopping by. I'm really excited for this conversation. How are you doing? I am fabulous, girl. Ask me. I'm an open book. First and foremost, how did you and alopecia become acquainted and become friends? First of all, alopecia is very disrespectful. She came to being probably, I'm really bad with time, but I want to say around like being like 17-ish, I noticed my hair started thinning. And even as I was growing up, like my hair was never thick. Like I never had that Rudy Huxtable type hair. So I typically sometimes I notice issues around my hairline being thin and that sort of thing. But I want to say my late teens is when I started to notice more thinning towards the top. And we thought that might have been attributed to certain hairstyles, so braiding my cornrows, wearing tails with extensions and things like that. And then as I got into my 20s, it actually progressed even more. Long story short, I saw the dermatologist and they basically didn't do anything for me. It was a very dismissive appointment. It was probably like not even 10 minutes. She looked at my scalp and basically said I was like fourth or fifth person she see for the day with this type of scalp condition. She gave me a shampoo and a serum, both of which my scalp hated. Wow. So I was left trying to figure things out on my own. Mind you, I didn't have patches. What I had was like a shiny scalp. So in the top of my head, it was thin, but you could see my scalp. It was almost like, and it was very shiny. And then as I started getting older, my scalp started to have, I call them like paper cuts almost. So there were lesions all over my head. And then I call these, these pimple-like creatures in the back of my head, literally like a cluster. And it was like pimples and pus and my scalp would bleed. It was extremely itchy and it was always burning. And I remember I would literally be in my house and I would have my head leaned up against the wall and just doing that and scratching my head against the wall because it was so unbearable. I'd wake up with like blood on my pillow. Like nobody knew what was going on. I didn't have any allergies or anything like that. So this progressed for, for years going off and on with the flare ups. Right. So finally, I ended up getting a biopsy and that's when they told me I was kind of like a mouthful central centrifugal cicatricial alopecia ccca for short it's a form of scarring alopecia basically the hair follicles develop scars and the treatment options to grow your hair become very difficult and it leads to permanent hair loss so i have permanent hair loss in specific parts of my scalp mm. yeah like it took a long time to even get that diagnosis i think i got diagnosed probably in my late 30s and i'm 44 now so you started noticing a change in your hair in your 20s and didn't get the official diagnosis till 10 years later. Yeah, because 
that dermatologist appointment, I was just like, I'm done. And I tried doing a lot of research, like Google was my best friend. And because I didn't know what I was Googling, I was just looking up lesions, soreness, scalp bleeding. You know what I mean? And I didn't even think that I actually had alopecia. I just thought maybe I had some kind of viral infection or something. So as I was doing research, I was on that natural hair journey where you stop using relaxers and things like that. I was wearing wigs and hair extensions from before, but I was wearing more wigs now because I was reading that anything that had excessive heat or things that cause tension and pulling on your scalp, like braids and ponytails and things like that could irritate your scalp and cause hair loss. So I was like, okay, well, I don't want to lose any more hair. So let me just stop doing that. But then of course, I just felt like I don't know. I didn't feel quote unquote pretty enough. So I would still put the extensions back in because obviously now I'm trying to cover up patches. Yeah. So I started doing a lot of natural stuff. I would make my own shampoos. I would make my own little scalp concoctions of essential oils and carrier oils, things that um, I was reading that would potentially help stimulate hair growth. So using jojoba oils and tea tree oils and rosemary, and lavender and things like that and cocoa butter and shea butter, things to try and help stimulate. Because remember, I didn't know what was going on, right? Right. It helped a little bit, but it still didn't really soothe anything because the the top of my head, the it was getting wider. So with CCCA, it's more like a circular type of hair loss. So it starts a little bit small, but it spreads wide and outwards. Wow. So it was getting wider and wider and wider. And I was like, what was happening? It almost looked like male pattern baldness. So it was crazy, but it just wasn't helping. But I still tried to do those natural treatments. And I eventually saw a naturopath who was basically like, let's get some blood work in you and see what's going on. And of course, my system was completely out of whack because as a woman, you're losing your hair. You have no control of what's happening over your body. And you're trying to figure this out and you wait months and a medical professional who basically dismisses you after 10 minutes, but you've waited like eight months to see them. So that in itself was very challenging. And when I saw the naturopath and we obviously got my blood work back, and mind you, she was asking me all types of questions like, what are your eating habits? Like, do you eat a lot of greens? And of course, I'm depressed. I'm angry. I'm upset. I'm confused. So I'm eating McDonald's, Burger King cupcakes, anything sugary, anything salty, anything that would make me feel that instant gratification of feeling a little bit better. So I would resort to junk food. I was drinking a lot of sugary stuff because I'm depressed. So I'm binge eating. And I was, it was to the point where I was hiding food in my car, just not doing healthy things. So I was self-destructing just like my scalp. And so confessing all of this to the naturopath she's like okay we need to get you back in order because your system your blood work came off the charts your system is so out of whack so she put me on a bunch of different supplements to help get my iron back in order and just different things to try and get my levels down right and sleeping so I would literally be functioning on like maybe an hour or two hours of sleep at most and you wouldn't know because I present very well my face was always beat, wig was always on point, outfits always on point, but nobody knows what you're struggling with. You don't know my scalp is bleeding underneath this wig right now. And I'm in the bathroom crying my eyes out, but I come out of the bathroom and I'm like, hey, everyone, do you know what I need? 
You learn how to mask it. You learn how to yeah. adjust and hide what you're really struggling with. Because I know I dealt with that with bullying growing up and having mm -hmm. to hide the pain and pretend I was okay. And then even with my own alopecia, mm -hmm. I have alopecia areata. Came to a point in my journey where I had to hide with hair clips, change how I did my hairstyle. And then I also did classical ballet. So putting my hair up in a bun, I had to change how I did that. Completely understandable. Yeah, it was so hard. And dealing with the naturopaths, was, which was a huge blessing, I actually found another physician who was more of an environmentalist. And yeah. he looked at all the external factors as well as internal. And between the two of them, I created this happy medium where we actually got to the root of it. She actually, the medical physician put me on antibiotics to help with the clusters of stuff going on in the back of my scalp. And she's like, how the hell? Did nobody notice this in the back of your head? She's so confused right now. She was pissed. But long story short, just creating healthier habits helped to ease the inflammation more. So my scalp was no longer inflamed, but it took a long time to get there. So doing herbal supplements and taking antibiotics and also changing how I was eating. I went gluten-free and dairy-free for about two years. That helped with the inflammation, but obviously I'm a baldy, so it didn't grow my hair back, but it made the inflammation go away. I don't have any more lesions. I don't have burning and itching. I don't have blood. It might be a little graphic. Like my scalp no, bleed. No cap conversation. Go ahead. Yeah, my scalp doesn't bleed. And sometimes it does itch if I notice that I'm having a little bit too much of something like so sugar. So I just have to make sure that I'm very conscious of what I'm eating and putting in my body because that triggers what's going on with my scalp. It's so interesting how everyone's body reacts differently yes. to alopecia. For me, I feel with my alopecia, similar to you, no matter what treatment I tried, supplements I took, foods that I ate, my body was like, no, we are no longer producing hair. Hair is not a big deal. No, you can do whatever you want. It, it's yeah. not, the immune system just says I'm not growing it. Yeah. And I feel like my scalp is my little thermometer. So if I'm indulging in something that's too much, then my scalp starts to react. My scalp starts to itch. I will start to notice that it's getting a little inflamed. And it's like, okay, Crystal, what have you been doing different? And it's, oh, yeah, you're having too much sugary stuff. You're having too much of this. Lay off the gluten a little bit. Reduce your dairy. So I'm no longer gluten and dairy free because I can't grow my hair back. So I might as well enjoy. But I still try to be cautious of what I'm eating. So I'll have more greens and stuff. I can have gluten-free bread and things like that. And I'm totally fine. Sometimes a burger just tastes better with real wheat. Let's be honest. So treat yourself once in a while. Yeah. Enjoy the burger. <laughs> enjoy that Cinnabon and donut. So I feel like as much as I'm not gluten and dairy free, I'm still very aware. So it's just very interesting how my body tells me triggers. Like Crystal's mm -hmm. or Crystal have some more water. Water's been my best friend. I drink a lot of water. It helps to keep me not only hydrated, but also flush out extra toxins because I feel that also helps with the inflammation and keeping things under control and making sure that my body is hydrated. One of the things with scarring alopecia is what I experienced. My scalp was extremely tight. 
I don't know how to explain it, but it was like, it was like concrete, so tight and dry and flaky and bleeding and itchy at the same time. So when I don't have enough water, my scalp starts to become, it's almost like it's shrinking. That makes sense. So that's why I'm always drinking water. So I'm, if you can't find me, I'm in the bathroom. So I'm always drinking so much. <laughs> so it's amazing how this disorder affects you in different ways. So that's my alopecia debacle, if you will. It's interesting because whatever you do health-wise, whatever choices you make, you're going to know it by your scalp. I don't have that experience. I have to do other things, go to my regular doctor's appointments and get my blood test and find out that way. I don't have anything, at least for me personally, on my body that says, hey, Jen, we're reacting because you're doing this. Right. It's amazing how the body just readjusts itself. And it's amazing how the body tells you how it's feeling. It's just a very, I don't know, alopecia is, I don't know. She's just different. She's just built differently. That's all I got to say. From what I'm hearing, it sounds like with your journey with alopecia, you've become even more self-aware at a different level than than what's being normally talked about. You know, if in this age we have to become self-aware, you have to learn this. You already kind of been going through that. It's been quite the journey because everything, as much as like with the naturopaths help and the GPs help, a lot of it has been self-research. I've had to try and figure this out because I don't know what's going on with myself. And God bless my mother. Coming from a Jamaican household in the background with all these different concoctions and stuff and people back home sending us recipes. I had egg and mayo on my head at one point. Oh my gosh. Just all of these different things trying to get my scalp under control and healthy and none of that stuff worked. I'm very grateful for that natural what is it like that natural mindset culture you know that natural hair community so they're not using stuff like that because a lot of forums and websites that I went on they were talking about a lot of natural oils that you can use and stimuli to not only treat inflammation but just to also you know that's good for your scalp to create a healthy environment for your scalp and I think that's where things started because I feel a lot of the stuff that I was buying from my local beauty supply store had ingredients and chemicals in it that I couldn't even pronounce. So it was always, it was really nice and beneficial for me to actually go back to like mother nature and Mm. things from the ground and learn how to create products that are not only beneficial, but also healthy for me. Do you know what I mean? Yes. One of the things that I want to go back on is when you started doing the research, have you seen the information change? It hasn't. It hasn't to you? No, because what, so first of all, CCCA is very rare. It's very rare. And from the research that I did see, it affects, um, it can affect anyone at any age, doesn't matter what gender you are, but it did say specifically that it's found predominantly in Black women and men but more so in black women. And I was like, huh, interesting. But there wasn't a lot of research. I literally always kept going back to the same four articles. There's so much more information on Universalis, Areata, Totalis, things like that, but not scarring alopecia. And that's what was very frustrating is because it's not something that is common in alopecia. So there isn't a lot of focus on it. 
Mind you, there are organizations out there that specifically focus on scarring alopecia, but it's not as big as like Ariata, for example. Wow. From what it sounds like within the alopecia community and research, there's some bias because to what you're saying, even today, you're only still finding the same four articles. Yeah. I'm sure if I did a Google search now as we talked, I'm sure some other stuff would come up, but it's not a lot. It's honestly not a lot of research at all, which is unfortunate. But, you know, it kind of makes it a little bit more challenging. And the thing is, I wouldn't know that I had CCCA if it wasn't for the biopsy. Because with areata, like you can actually kind of diagnose it just by looking at the scalp in some instances. Scarring alopecia, you can't really do that. And I think that's why, unfortunately, I was kind of lumped into a category with everybody else. But that's not what it was. My symptoms were not the same. Why is my scalp bleeding? Why do I have these paper cuts all over my head? What's with the itching and the burning? And when I found articles on scarring alopecia, I was checking off boxes because all of the symptoms that I had paired up with that. Everything was coming together. Yes. And I was like, this sucks. Why did I have to get the difficult one? (laughs) Because you're so strong. And so special. (laughs) So so I want to go back a little bit further too. Before you your scalp started reacting and changing the way it did. Mm-hmm. Uh, how was that for you when you had this whole young life experience from baby, childhood, teenage years, entering into adulthood, getting out of high school and going on this new journey of learning more about who you are and then smack alopecia's like, hey, how you doing? Want to touch your head. Oh, man. I think, you know what? I was in denial for quite some mm-hmm. time. And I was in denial and I knew I was in denial because I was still doing hairstyles that I knew was probably not the best option, not the smartest decisions. I was still getting hair extensions. I was still putting weaves in my head, even though my hairline is thinner, the top of my head, it's non-existent. I had like little peach fuzzes here and there, and I'm still holding on to the hair that I had at the side of my head and trying to do these hairstyles to try and cover the tops and the hairline because I'm in denial. And I also don't want to face this new reality. And you know, going into adulthood, leaving high school, everybody's got these cool hairstyles. And it's a thing in the Black community. Like for me, at least, I always used to get my hair braided by the local neighborhood braider. Or it was real ritualistic where my mom would braid down my hair. We would do scalp treatments and things like that. So now I'm losing my hair and I'm losing a part of my identity. I'm losing a part of culture and tradition and routine like I used to get my hair braided every couple months because I used to get the hair extension so you know just now I can't do that anymore and it's like now what so it really changed the dynamics of things and I feel even in the black culture wigs and weaves and stuff are big like going to the hair salon once a week was a thing you know and even though you're sitting in there for four or five hours waiting for them to start you but it was still part of feeling beautiful and self-care and pampering yourself. And it's now I don't feel comfortable going to a hair salon because I have patches on my head and all these women are looking at me wanting to see how is this hairdresser going to style her hair? What? And I have the best hairdresser. She would do these amazing weaves on me and people would be like, wow, it looks so good. You would never know. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, thanks. Even those comments right there just make you feel I would assume, because I've never done braiding on myself when I had hair, even more isolating. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for 
thing and pointing it out. I felt like, you know, the cartoon where the arrow's like blinking. Yes. Those old Looney Tunes cartoons where they had like extra stuff pointing things out. And that's what it felt like. And so stop one victims her. And, you know, it just, I had to, I had to rechange, I got rechange. Is that even a word? I had to. It is, it is now. Okay. We're making it a word. Rechange. New word. Um, I had to rechange everything that I was doing. I'm not going to the hairdresser anymore, but luckily I knew how to do my own hair anyways. So I started doing my own weaves, started doing my own braids. I remember I would take glue, hair glue, and I would cut up pieces of um, braiding hair because it was coarse. So I split it up into really, really tiny, tiny pieces. And I would put glue on my head and I would sprinkle the braids that I cut up on my scalp. So it was almost like I was garnishing chicken with parsley because I was literally trying to use that to hide the patches. The glue that I would pick would dry clear, tacky enough. So I would just sprinkle these hair extensions on my scalp. So at least it gave the illusion that there was hair there. But obviously that's so short term. So I was trying to come up with all these savvy ways to hide it. Disguise everything that was going on. So I don't know how to explain it, but I had to just figure it out. Yeah, I think that's the journey with all of us. I remember with me, there was a product on the market and it still might be i been a long time called topic and it was these little fibers yeah i tried topic too i used topic for a long time put it in certain spots on the top of my head to make it look like i had fullness with everything that i was doing with the extensions and yeah a topic got a whole lot of my investment for a good long while rogan got me girl got my pocketbook oh, it did not work for me i tried it for a few months just toss it you know what's so funny about rogan so I didn't grow hair on my scalp. I grew hair on my face. Literally grew like a sheet of hair all over my face. So it looked, my mom said I looked like a little chipmunk because it was like, she's like, it's so cute. I'm like, why am I shaving my face? Can we discuss this for a minute? Why am I shaving my face though? Like what's happening? I'm doing all this for the pump. Just move a couple inches north. Why are you down south? So I literally had a sheet of hair all over my face, especially with the sideburns and my cheeks. And I was like, are you kidding me? And I'm like, okay, okay, maybe it's a side effect. Maybe that's just part of it, you know? But I used it religiously for quite a few months. And I remember because I'm in Toronto, I had to order it from the States. And- Oh, wow. Yeah, because it wasn't, I don't think I could get it here for some reason. I don't know. But I got it in the States and it was a decent, it wasn't expensive, but- Again, with these types of things, once you stop using it, you start losing your hair. But for me, I wasn't growing any on the top. I was growing it all over my face. So I'm like, this is counterproductive. So I used it for a couple months and I was just like, okay, we're done here. And the minute I stopped using it, the hair literally disappeared. It was such an emotional roller coaster of trying all of these different things with that small glimmer of hope because you see all these testimonials you see before and after pictures i was gonna be an after picture i want to have a testimonial yep alopecia's like no i am gonna be your testimonial but we ain't coming back girl you've hit on so many things that i don't feel are talked about enough there's a topic that i talked on another platform with another group of alopecians where we did this thing called the abcs of alopecia and one of the things we talked about was the absence 
that comes with alopecia. So for you, what you touched on, the absence of a community that's so yeah influential in the culture that you grew up in and the family you grew up in, it's so normal and expected that you participate in that type of activity with getting your hair braided or cornrows and stylized all the time. That's part of the culture. Yeah. And then you get something like this. I would think to you, not anyone else has, and you're going through this, well, I can't participate in that. And now you have the absence, which is also a part of your identity. Absolutely. I have my cousins and they have gorgeous hair. They've had gorgeous hair since they were little. And I've always been envious of that. I hope they're listening. I used to envy your hair, girls. But again, they have that beautiful... Rudy Huxtable, nice long hair and stuff like that. And they would always have these beautiful hairstyles and stuff, you know, and that's when we were younger. But even as I got older, it's like, I can't do those things anymore. And it did. It was at a detriment to my scalp because I knew what the consequences were going to be. It was going to be pain. It was going to be more hair loss. And it's the uncertainty of it. It's the I don't know what's happening. I have no control over this. And so you're watching all of these things. And we live in such a social media, Instagram, influencer type world now where it's always in your face. I remember because I, you know, take the train and stuff to work. I would start looking at people's hair. And I would notice it happened to me too. Did you ever notice that messy bedhead, that guy with that full thick head of hair, but his hair was messy because he just got out of bed? Or that girl with those beautiful curtain bangs or that fresh roller set or that fresh cornrow braid. I would notice everything. And I used to be so, not bitter, but I used to be a little annoyed when, you know, now I've come off the train and I'm in the office and people are like, oh my gosh, I have such a messy hair day today. Oh my God, my hair is not working. And I'm like, girl, my scalp is bleeding under this headscarf right now, if you only knew. And did you ever notice more so, like, I'm not really a TV person, but did you ever notice that a lot of the commercials ended up being like Pantene Pro-V, Head and Shoulders, all of these different everywhere? I would, and I still do this to this day, so everyone's going to learn something about me they didn't know about before. I will yell at the TV, bald people discrimination. I get so frustrated sometimes. I love it. And then the thing that would piss me off is I know one of those girls are wearing a wig. I can tell. I'm like, come on now, people. Their hair is flowing and it's thick. And I'm just like, I get a glimpse of myself in the reflection. And I'm like, Crystal, you don't have that. To get back to what you were saying before, one of the things that happened when I first lost everything and I went through my wig phase, I started noticing more of the beauty of natural hair. There was something about hair, the way I looked at it, even in eyelashes, when I started losing my eyelashes, when I started really going through that grieving phase of losing my hair, seeing hair in a completely different way and realizing, wow, all this that I took for granted. And it's funny that you say with natural hair, I started having, I guess I would say it like buyer's remorse because now as I'm looking at the natural hair community and the things that they do to maintain their locks and to maintain the, the integrity of their scalp and the growth. I would see girls with natural hair to the middle of their back. And I was like, I didn't know our hair could grow that long. And just yeah. watching the stuff that they would use and the things that they would do. And I was like, man, so you're trying to tell me if I didn't do relaxers to begin with, if I never did hot combs or put a lot of heat on my hair or even 
put too much tension on my hair with braids and stuff like that, I might have actually not contributed to me having alopecia. I really started having like this, I can only say buyer's remorse. Well, what if I did this differently? Do you know what I mean? And I started playing back all of the chemicals. And I remember there was one point I had my hair really short and I was always getting it texturized, which is a relaxer, just not as strong. I mean, it's all strong. It's all chemicals. And I was at one point getting my hair texturized at least every four weeks, if not sooner. I think I was definitely overprocessing my hair. And I think that also contributed to the hair falling out the way it did. I'm just like, man, the amount of money that I spent getting like texturizer. And then there was one point where I was started doing the texturizers on my own. So, you know, I was overprocessing my hair. I would read like part A through B of the instructions and then just do everything myself. It was like, I just wish that I didn't do a lot of the things that I did before. But then I'm like, with alopecia, it just, it can come at any time. Would that really have made a difference, Crystal? So I'm just questioning everything. I think that's part of the grieving process because I know with me, I would think back on the things I would used to say, because for those of you that don't know, I'm half Puerto Rican. I had gigantic, big, big, curly brown hair, like Merida from Brave, but dark brown. I remember how I would complain about it, the, the bigness of it sometimes, and then being in the ballet world, struggling to get it in a bun, but then you start losing it and seeing it go down the drain, on the floor, in the sink, on the pillow, slowly, yeah. over time, painfully low. Mm. You finally lose everything. And then you think back on, man, if I had the perspective that I do now, what I would say, how I would act, what I would do. I think that's just part of the grieving process. Now, do you feel with your personal story in your community, in your family, in your culture, there was pressure for you to partake in that? I don't know if it was pressure, but I feel there was definitely an influence of having to look a certain way. Natural hair, quote unquote, wasn't really the thing. It was more or less like, yeah, yeah, if you had natural hair, it was, oh my gosh, it was amazing. But then it was like wigs, like lace fronts in particular started becoming the norm. And it was who had the best lace front, who had the most natural hairline. Felt more pressure because as you know, the beauty industry is a billion dollar industry. So there's that pressure to look a certain way to fit into that typical or that mold of that beauty standard. And yes, now not having hair, where do I fit in that? Because I can't go get those cute, beautiful Nubian extensions, like braids with the beads and stuff like that. I can't do that anymore. Where do I fit in? And I feel that's it. It was more, it was a pressure, but in a different type of way. It's like, how do I fit into this standard of beauty that I see on Instagram where people are walking around with 30 inches of hair? Where do I fit in the natural community where they have, they're rocking their gorgeous locks or dreads or their, um, their natural hair and it's big and thick and luscious because they're using the right products. It was that kind of pressure because now I don't know what category I'm in because I can't participate in any of that. I can wear a wig and I can wear a weave and stuff like that, but there are times when I don't want to do that. I want to rock. I want to be part of the natural community where I can showcase my beautiful natural hair. But can I do that when there's patches and lesions on my scalp? Not really, because that's not considered pretty. 
Exactly. Just being bald in general, this idea that it's more acceptable for men and women, but that men struggle with it too. But there's still the idea of, well, they're men, so they can pull it off a lot easier. People are not going to question it. And then for us with the beauty standards, what we see on magazines and TV shows and movies, this is pretty. If you don't have this, then you're not pretty. But then you come around and see us on the street. Oh, you're so brave. I hate that word. I hate I loathe that word when someone says, it's not brain. I didn't have a choice. Or that assumption that something's wrong with me. And there's right wrong. If I were allowed to have a choice, I wouldn't have chosen this. Anyone in our community would say, no, I wouldn't choose it. And I feel after we've gone through this and come to the other side, there are some benefits to it. But the struggle doesn't go away. We learn, we grow and blossom. I think we learn to just adapt. We're very adaptable people because we don't have a choice in the matter. Our body and our immune system are in a custody battle with each other. They're just not on speaking terms. And we have to be okay with that because there's nothing that we can do about it. So what do we do? We have to adapt. We have to figure out creative ways to make ourselves feel beautiful despite what society tells us beauty is. For example, I started wearing head wraps. I would go to thrift stores and I would purchase head wraps for under 10 bucks. Value Village, hands down, this is not a promo. And the Salvation Army, if you're ever looking for head scars, go there. Because it doesn't break your bank, you can get some for like a buck. And they're gorgeous. You just have to find beautiful, intricate ways to dress up your bald. And that's what I had to do. I love earrings. I didn't realize I was obsessed with glasses until I started losing my hair because I'm like, I need to find ways to showcase my personality, but also make me feel pretty to me. Bold lipsticks. You will not catch me on the street without a bold red lippy. This is true. (laughs) You know, I love bold lipsticks. So I have found ways to make myself feel pretty to crystal not to society but to crystal and don't get me wrong i still wear wigs i love wearing wigs but the the association with the wigs now isn't because of societal pressures it's just because i think different wigs look cute with different outfits and that's what we're doing today but i can still rock a bald head and still feel beautiful so i now with my alopecia get to pick choose and refuse how i want to look for that day if i want to wear a wig i'm going to wear a wig if i want to wear a headscarf i'm going to wear a scarf If I want to rock a beanie or just go out bald, I can do that. So I feel as much as alopecia has been a definite roller coaster and something I wouldn't have picked, it's also the dopest thing ever because the versatility that I have and the creativity that it's brought out of me, I would not trade that for anything. That's a really good point because another thing I wanted to ask you was... After you've come through your denial, grief, begin to walk into acceptance, how has your personal style changed? I think what people don't realize is with alopecia, you're rediscovering who you are. Like you said, we have to adapt. But how has your style evolved when you started coming into that acceptance? I got swag, girl. I got swag. I've always loved fashion, but I feel it's definitely come out a lot more because I found cool ways to dress up my bald. Wearing brighter lipsticks, I would always do a simple pink or something like that, nice gloss or whatever. Doing 
green lipsticks, reds, purples, pinks, blues, just being more bold about something because it's like, okay, I have a bald head. I like the shape of my head. So why not accessorize it? And how do I do that? How do I accentuate and not necessarily, I'm not trying to draw attention to my bald head because it's already there, but how can I accentuate my style? So I love shoes. I love wide leg jeans. I love wearing black. If anybody knows me and they're listening, they know I'm always in black. So I try to, because it's just my comfort thing. I love it. But I try to wear bright colors every now and then. But I do that through my lipsticks. I do that through my glasses. I'm obsessed with glasses. So I will do the most obnoxious, bold, round, red, like greens. I have two tones. I love glasses. So I found a new, um, I don't know, a new take on accessories. Mm, mm. Like just playing with accessories. And I've always been big on headscarves and stuff like that. And just because I'm always in black, I'd be like, I'm going to find very bright, bold, colorful headscarves to accentuate me wearing black. <laughs> Or whatever, just to add that brightness to my face and to highlight my eyes, my lips, my nose. You know what I mean? There's more to me than just having a bald head. And I think fashion is one of them. I love thrifting. I'm a thrifter. And so finding cool, unique pieces to accentuate it, to accentuate my style and accentuate and highlight my bald. I love dresses. There's so many different things that you can... Earrings. I love earrings. Just finding different things that you like and liking them more and playing them up with your bald head. That's what I did. I've always liked jewelry, but I like it more because I like long dangly earrings. I like studs. So in just finding ways and it creates different looks. It does. Now, do you feel if you still had your hair, you would be this adventurous with accessories? Probably not. Because my hair would be like my focal point. My be part of my identity would be the say 80 20 percent rule of my identity now my bald is 100 percent of identity you know what i'm saying so it's like if i had a full thick head of hair i'd probably be more obsessed with my hair than anything else and making sure at some point along with my fashion i'd still be dressed to the nines but i think my hair would definitely be a huge focal point one thousand percent it's very interesting the difference the view you have with hair versus now not having with hair and how it's changed and how you discover more of yourself. Yeah, you love with yourself in a different way. And it's only when you reach the acceptance stage, like you had said before, you go through the grief and mourning of a loss. And now you're in a place of now what? I have no choice. I got to accept this. I got to figure it out. And it's like after the acceptance comes the love. It comes like yeah. for me. I've learned to fall in love with the better version of myself since my hair fell out. Mm. And I will never change that for anything in, my, in the world. If you were to ask me, Crystal, do you want your hair to go back? I'd say absolutely not. Because I just feel, I feel more of myself. Like I've discovered a whole new part of me. And that only happened because of my alopecia. It's only because of my alopecia because you're forced to reevaluate yourself you're forced to look at things differently you're forced to search within so that sounds kind of like a cliche but it's true there was an article in people magazine i'm trying to remember oh he's a fellow alopecia and he's an, a well-known actor anthony um, 
Yes. Thank you so much. He did a piece in People Magazine very recently. I forget how long ago it was. I think it's over a year ago. But one of the things that he talked about his alopecia journey that I completely agree with and have accepted for myself, alopecia is radical acceptance. It absolutely is. I'm part of um, the Canadian Alopecia Areata Foundation. We actually did a piece with him and I actually was asking him questions and stuff. Very, very cool. Just even listening to his story, it really and truly is radical acceptance. And remember, he's in the entertainment industry, which is a whole nother ball game, whole nother ball game. And looks are everything like people see what you look like before they even hear what you sound like or care what personality you have. I feel having alopecia, we stick out like a sore thumb. Oh, and yeah, we do. Yeah. And I don't want anybody to look at us and say, oh, I'm sorry, you're ill. And it's like, I'm not ill. And how about the fact maybe I just chose to shave my head? How about that? Do you know what I mean? It's always the assumption. Dealing with all of that noise, that background noise is what I call it now. It really is radical acceptance because we have to deal with all of these comments and stares and things on a day-to-day basis. So if we're okay with ourselves, what else matters?